and I did uh, speak with Pastor today, and you might remember uh, I had a very busy march, and with he and Gary both gone at the same time. So I told him later today, I said, you better hurry up and get out of that bed or I'm going to lay hands on you and uh, we're going to get you up. But uh, his, he plans on preaching Sunday. It, it's probably going to be hard for him. It'll be hard for him to stand. And, and I told him, I said, well, you could always preach a shorter sermon. And he laughed. And uh, so hopefully he'll be ready for Sunday morning. Um, all right, Revelation chapter 2. We're going to speak tonight on a subject. Now, you know, how many of you have ever heard the term preaching to the choir? How many of you have ever heard that? And that's what I'm probably going to be doing tonight. I'm going to be pretty much preaching to the choir. But this is a message that the Lord laid on my heart. And uh, I realized that if I preached this on Sunday morning, I'd probably be able to, to, to hit more of the people that really need to hear this. But uh, how many of you have ever heard of Sunday morning Christians too? I'll huh? raise your hand if you know what I mean. Sunday morning Christians can't take, uh, hard, can't take tough meat. Uh, so I'm going to preach this message tonight. This is what the Lord laid on my heart, and uh, I'm sure it'll be a blessing to someone who needs it. Let's stand together as I read from Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how that thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne and hast patience, and for my name's sake hath labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Let's, play, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity we have to be here tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me to preach this message, and I pray that we would receive this message in the spirit in which it's given, that we might be admonished and that we might be exhorted by the word of God. I pray you'd bless our time together, bless our pastor tonight, give him, give him comfort, heal him, and just bring him uh, back into his pulpit soon, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled this message tonight, Love Abandoned. In the passage of Scripture we, we just read, we see a scene that plays out far too often in the lives of many if not most Christians today. And this is the loss of zeal for the Lord. How many of you here have ever heard or seen a, a morning glory? How many of you have ever seen a morning glory, the flower, a morning glory? As the name implies, morning glory flowers, which are funnel-shaped, open in the morning, allowing them to be pollinated by hummingbirds, butterflies, bees, and other daytime insects and birds. The flower typically lasts for a single morning and dies in the afternoon. New flowers bloom each day. The flowers usually start to fade a couple of hours before the petals start showing visible curling. Unfortunately, far too many Christians are just like morning glories. They burst onto the scene, make a spectacular showing, then fade away 
and are gone. From the passage we have read tonight, we can see several good attributes of this church at Ephesus. First, I noticed that Ephesus was a busy church. The Lord states to them, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience. And when I think about Berea, we're a busy church. We've got a lot of things going on around here. I mean, our church calendar is absolutely filled. We have so many things going on. Sunday school classes, pioneer clubs, uh, campouts, uh, pine card derbies. We have our Christian school and all the activities, athletics and all the things that go with that. Vacation Bible school and all the many, many things that we have going on at Berean. We're busy. And this church at Ephesus, it was a busy church. I also noticed that this church at Ephesus was a separated church. For the Lord states, And how thou canst not bear them which are evil. It was a separated church. You wouldn't find the pastor of the church of Ephesus sitting down at at the luncheon with all the ecumenical pastors in town. It was a separated church. Uh, This church at Ephesus, it was an informed church. The Lord states, And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles or not, and hast found them liars. So this was a very informed church at Ephesus. They, they knew doctrine. They understood doctrine. And also this church was a faithful church. The Lord again states, And has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Now if we were to stop right here tonight and go no further, someone would certainly say this was a great church one that we should seek to emulate. And I would not argue with them. Obviously, from these statements we just read, Ephesus was a good church. But the Scripture doesn't stop there. And the Lord has more to say. For in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4, he states, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Now wait one minute here, one might say. Do you mean to tell me that this church labored, prayed, bore burdens, was separated from the world, studied doctrine, and remained faithful, yet the Lord had something against them? Well, all I can tell you is it's the words of Christ, not my words. He stated that there was something about them, despite all these wonderful things, he stated there was something about them that bothered him, something that displeased him. Now, I must evoke a word of caution here. We must be careful here not to interpret this to mean that Christ holds a penalty against the church. He loves the church, and he gave himself for it. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Paul states, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ loves the church. He loves this church. He loved the church at Ephesus. So much so that he would never abandon or forsake it. So the Lord here isn't saying, I'm going to forsake you. And this is not issuing a judicial edict. Rather, He is voicing his displeasure in the condition of their hearts. 
He is chastising them. When we look at this passage we read and we see this wonderful thing about Ephesus, they were a, a working church. They were busy. They were faithful. They, they were informed. They were separated. But yet there was something about them. The Lord said, I am displeased. And he is chastising these, these people in this church. And tonight I believe the Lord would chastise us. He says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. Tonight, you may be one of the busiest Christians in our church. You might be a faithful prayer warrior. You may read your Bible through every year. You may possess great patience. You may be faithful to attend every public service of our church. You may show up for every prayer meeting. You may tithe all your income. You may come to everything we have, every workday, every event, every special thing we do. You may, you may participate and, and avail yourself to all of these things. Yet tonight, Christ may, may find some displeasure in your life. There may be something in your life that is not pleasing to him. Just as this good church in Ephesus, you may have left off your first love. Tonight, we may all be guilty of having abandoned that which is most important. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Let's all turn together to Luke chapter 10. And I'm going to read beginning at verse number 38 from Luke chapter 10. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet, and heard his word. But Martha, look at verse 40, but Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Well, Martha was busy, wasn't she? She was very busy. Jesus and his disciples were in their home. And Martha was, I'm sure, running around, uh, throwing, putting throw pillows out for him, and she was probably sweeping dust away, and she was busy in the kitchen putting together a meal and, and all these many things, and she was, she was busy serving. She was busy serving. And Mary is just sitting down at the Lord's feet. Can you see Martha as she passes by the doorway? Mary. The rice is burning, and Mary's at Jesus' feet. Look at the mess over here. The dining room table isn't set, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, like she needs to be at Jesus' feet. 
Like she's some big disciple who has to sit and hear everything the Lord has to say. You know, it is important to serve. No doubt about it. Praise God for all of you that serve in our church. It's very important. It's an important thing. But let me ask you this. Is it important to be faithful? Oh, absolutely. You see, and Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, and Jesus told Martha, Martha, you're worried about a lot of things, and you're real busy, but you need something, Martha. You need something. And Mary has chosen to, to obtain that thing in her life. Uh, but you have chosen not to. You see, we got to be careful as, as fundamental Baptists that we don't get so busy we forget what we're doing. And that's easy to do. We get so busy with serving, we forget all about the one we're here to serve. We forget all about the Lord. It is very important to serve, but it is equally important that we do all these things for the right reason and most importantly, with the right attitude. Solomon writes in Proverbs chapter 21, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. And I'm going to tell you, we got, we've got a lot of Baptist churches running around this country that have a long list of rules, and they know how to follow those rules. But in their hearts, Jesus said, Outwardly you appear as white as sepulchers, but inwardly you're filled with dead man's bones and all uncleanness. Ye fools and hypocrites, he said, clean the inside of the cup, and the outside of the cup will be clean. Oh, let me tell you, uh, we better be careful. Because God definitely wants his Marthas. He wants those that serve, and he wants those that are busy. But he does not want us to be Marthas at the expense of being Mary's, and sitting at his feet, and loving him, and learning from him. And, and worshiping him as we must. Now, tonight, allow me to share some thoughts with you, just some things that I've observed in the life of Christians over the past 27 years I've been in the ministry. How do we know? Remember, the Lord said, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left off thy first love. How do we know? How do you and I know when we have abandoned our first love, when we've left off our first love. Let me share three thoughts with you. Number one, we know we've abandoned our first love when privilege becomes procedure. When privilege becomes procedure. In John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, the Lord states, But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh, seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the scene here in John chapter 4, of course, is the Lord speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And this Samaritan woman did indeed seek to worship God. But notice that Jesus told her that true worship is from the heart and not wrapped up in tradition. I said, we know that we've left off our first love when privilege becomes procedure. Think back for a moment to when you were first saved. Everybody, just go back in your mind to that first moment you came to realize you were saved. 
Do you remember how different things were then? Do you remember how much you looked forward to going to church? Man, I tell you what, I, from the time I was 16, I, wouldn't, I, I, I think I might have went to church four or five times. And at the age of 24, when I got saved, I couldn't wait to go to church. Something changed. Something happened. I wanted to be in church. It was a privilege to go to church. Do you remember how much you wanted to read your Bible? I couldn't put it down. Matter of fact, when I got saved, uh, the, the, the young man that witnessed to me worked for me, and at lunchtime, and I, a matter of fact, lunchtime, nothing. During the middle of the day, we would just stop work and pull out our Bibles and start talking about the Bible. You remember how much you loved the Bible? You remember how much you enjoyed praying? I remember for the first time in my life, prayer actually meant something. And, and I could actually see the Lord answering prayer. I'd been saved about a week, and we, I was a, co- a contractor. We needed to pour concrete to get started on a house. If we missed too many more days, it was going to be too late into the winter to start this house. We had to get this concrete poured. It had been raining cats and dogs for days. And I remember kneeling down in my bed at night, and the forecasts for the next day were, were extreme thunderstorms. And I knelt down and I prayed, Father, please give me four hours with no rain. Four hours, that's all I need. And I got up the next morning and I looked outside. It was black as night, and it, was, it was, should be daylight. And I drove to that site, and the concrete finishers were there, and they were fixing to get in their truck because they said, well, we're not going to go today, are we? I said, oh, yes, we are. I picked up the phone. I called the concrete company. I said, send the trucks. The guy said, are you crazy? I said, trust me, just send the trucks. This was at 7 o'clock in the morning. At 11.30, it started raining. Four and a half hours. The Lord held the rain back for me. He answered my prayer. Somebody said, that's coincidence. <laughs> coincidence, nothing. You believe that all you want. The Lord answered my prayer. Prayer all of a sudden meant something to me. And it was a privilege to pray, wasn't it? You remember that? Now think about today. It used to be, oh boy, we get to go to church tonight. Now it's, oh man, is it Wednesday again? We used to say, boy, I love to hear the preacher preach. It just thrills my soul. Now we say, if he doesn't shut up soon, I'm going to miss American Idol. Hmm? While it used to be, I can't wait to get home and read my Bible today, now it's, well, I read two extra chapters yesterday, so I can skip reading my Bible today. Everything changes. Everything changes from something you get to do, a privilege, into something you have to do, a duty or a procedure. But it does not have to be that way. Listen, I can't speak for all of you tonight, but I can say this. I love my church. I love everything about my church. You know, not everyone is perfect in my church. But I love everything about my church. I love the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. I love the singing. I love the Pioneer Clubs and the Family Campout and the Pine Car Derby we hold each year in January. I love Vacation Bible School, and I love all the planning and all the work that goes into putting it on each summer. I love the Christian school and the daily grind of teaching children to read and write and add and subtract and to love the Lord their God. 
I love our fellowships. Boy, do I love the fellowships, especially when you bring that good food. I love the snack shacks, except when you have hamburgers for six months straight, and then I don't love them so much. But I love the snack shacks, and I love the people. I don't know about you tonight, but I love everything about my church. And it is a privilege. I said it is a privilege to be a member of this church and to be able to be a part of everything that goes on here. And God help me and God forgive me the day it becomes something that I have to do and not something that I get to do. Do you love your church tonight? If we do, it will show in our actions. If we do love our church, are we serving in our church? And if we are serving, are we serving because we have to or because we get to? Do you consider your membership and service in Berean Baptist Church to be a privilege? Or is your zeal for God so depleted that it has, it has become something you just do because you're supposed to do it. No more passion. No more joy. No more conviction. Just duty. Has this become your story tonight? We know that we have left off our first love when the privilege that accompanies being a Christian becomes procedures in an attempt to please God or fulfill some duty. So first tonight, we know that we have left off our first love when privilege becomes procedure. Then secondly, we know we have left off our first love when humility becomes haughtiness. In Galatians chapter 3, Paul writes, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you, Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have you ever observed a child learning to walk? Once the child has learned to walk, what do they do? When, when, when dad comes over next to him, what do they do? They push him away, don't they? They don't want dad around them once they learn how to walk. Because they can now do it on their own. And do not think they need mom or dad anymore. And this is so much like we as Christians. We begin our Christian life helpless. Unable to do anything for ourselves. We depend on God and the Holy Spirit for everything. Then we begin to learn a little bit. And we begin to crawl and get around just a little bit. Before too long, we learn to stand. And before too much after that, we learn to walk. And boy, we really feel like we have grown up. And all of a sudden, we believe we are invincible. Have you ever heard the old saying, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing? Yeah. I know people who have been saved for, for less than a year and set in Sunday school class, hit and miss, and all of a sudden think they know more about the Bible than the, than the pastor does, more than the preacher. Ah, that preacher doesn't know what he's talking about. Okay. Right. And you know it all. You see, 
Far too many Christians, once they get to that stage of walking, think they don't need any help anymore. God blesses us and we begin to gain spiritual insight and wisdom. He delivers us from trouble and we begin to learn that all things work together for good for God's children. Before too long, we forget. We forget that it was the grace of God that gave us the victory. And we begin to believe that it is our righteousness, our faith, our strength that carried us through. We forget about God. It is at this time that we must not forget the admonition of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, where he writes, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which hath bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul said, oh, I've done more than all the rest, but it wasn't me that did it. It was God, and it was the grace of God. Think about the Pharisee Jesus spoke of in Luke chapter 18. We read two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You know, perhaps this Pharisee did do all the things he claimed he did. But it is obvious that by his attitude, he was filled with pride in his own works. His actions may have at one time been sincere, but it is obvious that now they have become mechanical. They are his own works by his boasting. And as such, they are sickening to God. Remember in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, where the Lord writes, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. In other words, he says, I'm going to spit you right out. Milk. How many of you like milk? Huh? How many of you like cold milk? Cold milk, good. How many of you like warm milk, hot milk? I mean, uh, hot chocolate or, yeah. How many of you like room temperature, lukewarm milk? You ever put it in your mouth? It has a lousy texture, doesn't it? doesn't taste good it kind of it leaves kind of a film in your mouth when it's when it's lukewarm and normally if i grab some milk and it's lukewarm you know the first thing i do (laughs) oh oh man it's horrible and that's how god feels about our lives sometimes god says look get hot or get cold but don't get in the middle You know what? Decide tonight who you're going to serve. Teenagers, decide tonight. Quit playing around. You're going to serve God or you're going to follow the world. Don't straddle the fence because God says, I don't want to even look at you when you're on the fence. You choose. You decide. Get on God's side or get on the world's side. But let me warn you, on the world's side, you're in the enemy of God. You're, You're in the camp of the enemy of God. And that goes for us too, by the way. Do you know who sets the examples for them? It's us. 
We come to church and we put our suits on and we say amen to the preacher and hallelujah, glory to God, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Then we go home, turn the TV on, sit down and watch all the filth. We listen to all the garbage. We cuss up a storm. And we get upset with them when they begin to act like we do in private. And God says, pooh, you sicken me. He says, get hot or get cold. As long as you like you are, I'm going to spit you out. And we know we've left our first love when humility becomes haughtiness. You know, we, we end up in this, in this stage in life. Uh, you realize that all, all a small child wants to do is please his parents. But do you also realize that all teenagers want to do is argue with their parents. You understand that, don't you? You know, maybe this Pharisee Jesus spoke about, maybe he did do all those things, but he became filled with pride. Let us remember that all that we are able to do is by the grace of God. God give the glory, or give God the glory for all that we have done. We know that we've left off our first love when privilege becomes procedure. And then we know we've left off our first love when humility becomes haughtiness and we begin to think it's all about us and can do. But then thirdly tonight, I want us to notice that we know we've left our first love when appreciation becomes animosity. When appreciation becomes animosity. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, we read, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. As I have grown older, I find myself having less patience. <laughs> Don't look at me that way. You know what I'm talking about. Have you ever been in the store and wondered why that mom doesn't wallop her bratty kid who's screaming and throwing a fit? Hmm? You know, I, I one time was a parent who had that bratty kid walloping and screaming in the store. I had patience then. Now I don't have patience for that. Now think about raising your children for a moment. Have you ever noticed how the things that used to be so cute are not so cute anymore? Oh, oh that's so cute. Look at him. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, but when he's 18, it's not so cute anymore, is it? Have you ever noticed how the older they get, the more aggravating they become? You ever notice that? I've noticed that most parents do not appreciate their teenage children as much as they did when they were four and five. Why? You parents of teenagers, why do you not appreciate your kids as much as you did when they were little? I'll tell you why, because everything changes. With the teen years comes problems. And problems wear you down. Stress and pressure tear you apart. Can I? No. Please, no. Please, no. Please, no. Please, no. 30 minutes later. Please, no. Please, no. Please, no. An hour later. Please. Oh, do it. Just get out of here. That constant pressure just wore you down. Something God put in a... Or can I? The boy parents sure get tired of saying no after a while, don't we? What about vacation trips, huh? How many of you like to take vacations? Oh, yeah. 
fun, right? Hey, we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. It's supposed to be relaxing, right? Yeah, right. Are we there yet? No. How much longer? I don't know. Every 15 minutes. Are we there yet? No. How much longer? I don't know. Are we there yet? No. How much longer? I don't know. That thing that started out to be fun becomes just an absolute frustration, doesn't it? That's why when I take vacations, I travel at night. So my kids slept. We leave at 2 in the morning to go to Disneyland. They didn't wake up till we got to the grapevine. Then it was just an hour and a half from there. I could handle an hour and a half. I couldn't handle eight hours. So I'd leave at 2 in the morning. They'd sleep the whole way. And I'd say, oh, blessed sleep. That thing which started out to be, to be fun ends in aggravation, frustration. And the same is true in our Christian life. What was once all fun and excitement because of constant pressure and problems becomes points of aggravation. And most of the time, we don't even, under, we don't even realize it's happening. We used to appreciate the pastor and loved his messages. Now we stop laughing at his jokes and we complain when he preaches past noon. We used to appreciate the Pioneer Club and all the new children and new families it gave us opportunities to reach. But then we get to a point where we complain about the noise and the mess they make in the rooms and the hallways. We used to love the fellowships and the get-togethers and, 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 and getting to know each other better. But now we walk around with a scowl on our face because someone is sitting on the carpet with a plate of food. And what was intended to be a blessing has become a curse. What we intended to do so we could appreciate and bless one another has now become a point of animosity in our lives. What happened to the appreciation we once had for all the things that make up our Christian life? And and this spirit of animosity has crept in, and it has led to bitterness taking root in our hearts. And, And Paul warns us in Hebrews chapter 12, looking diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Some of you tonight, some of you tonight don't care about each other the way you used to care about each other. And I'm not talking about husbands and wives, by the way. I'm talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of you don't care about each other the way you once did. Oh, you still smile at each other, and you still pretend to appreciate each other. But in your heart, you're as cold as you can be. It seems you just can't find anything good or kind to say about each other anymore. And appreciation has turned into animosity. You may sing in the choir. You may teach in Sunday school or or the Christian academy. You may even be a deacon. And you may be as faithful as you have ever been to your duties uh, here in this church. But God says, I know your labors, but I have something against you. The church at Ephesus was busy doing what they believed to be the right things. They were examining their doctrine and making sure they were correct. They separated from false teachers and workers of iniquity. Yet all the while, their hearts were cold. Things that were once privileges to them became mechanical procedures. The humility they held at the wonder of God's great might and power has been replaced by a haughty spirit, they supposing that it is their own righteousness that is at work. Those things that once they once appreciated and were thankful for 
have now become points of contention, and animosity has filled their hearts. They looked real good on the outside, but on the inside they walked as they did in the past. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 4 that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. When a Christian leaves off his first love, privileges become procedures. Humility becomes haughtiness, and appreciation becomes animosity. Tonight, let me implore you, do not leave this building If the Lord has spoken to your heart about something, do not leave this building until you settle these things. Rekindle the fires that once burned in your heart. Renew your love and appreciation for all the things of God. Exercise the privileges that you have by virtue of your salvation. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. Give thanks unto the Lord, for his mercy endures forever. God said, I know all about you, Ephesus. You do all these good things, but I have something against you. There's something in your life that displeases me, something that disappoints me. And you know what he says? You remember what he said? You better repent. You better repent. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have together. Holy Spirit, I pray that I pray that you would just speak it in my heart. I, I don't want to be like the Christians at Ephesus. I, I don't want to have a lukewarm heart. I certainly don't want to be cold. And I don't want to be lukewarm, Lord. I want to be hot for you. Father, I pray you'd renew that first love in my heart. Give me a love again. Help, give, give me an, an appreciation for all that we have in this place. Help me to see the privilege it is to be here. And Lord, help me to to, to be humble in your sight, realizing it is all by your grace and your power that I can do anything. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd speak to our hearts tonight and you'd move us. And I pray that all that we do in this place would be for the glory and honor of God and to exalt the name of Jesus Christ. But help us to be true worshipers in our heart, each one of us loving each other, appreciating each other, serving in this church alongside each other. As Brother Jeff prayed earlier, unified, make us a unified church. We pray these things and we ask them in Jesus' name. Amen.